movies, music, comics, and a whole lot more. And this is a 2000 movies edition of the podcast. This is where I review a film um, all on my lonesome. Uh, let's see, these are these are movies that have uh, been released after the year 2000, hence 2000 movies. And uh, no need for a spoiler warning because um, I, I won't ruin any kind of like plot points or anything like that. I'll just um, be talking about uh, just my general feelings of the film. And um, at, at the end of my review, I'll have a little grading kind of thing going on. I'll, I'll grade the film and uh, do a little bit of uh, who, who I would recommend this to type of situation there at the end of the review. Um, let's see. So... Uh, before I get into that, I wanted to um, uh, bring up a couple things. Um, right now, I'm I'm in the middle of a, a, some a, an, an art piece. Uh, I'm, I'm drawing Black Widow. I've never drawn Black Widow before. The Marvel character. She's got uh, she's got a movie coming up here in a couple months. Uh, I think it's in May. I think from what I hear, I uh, Disney and Marvel are not backing down from their May release. I mean, well, you know, I think. It's that they're not backing down from the theatrical-only release. Uh, they might end up pushing it back even further. This movie was supposed to come out last year. Um, but uh, I, I'm pretty um, pretty impressed with Marvel and DC that they're... Not DC, because DC is releasing their shit straight to... Straight to streaming, uh, along with the theatrical release. But uh, I, I, I'm uh, uh, got to give credit to Marvel for being so uh, confident with their with their brand, um, sticking with a, a theatrical release only for their films. Um, it's uh, I don't know. Things are looking likely like the this uh, May release will happen, um, but. Um, they uh, if they if they move it back a couple more months or whatever I think that's fine as long as they stick with their theatrical release. Uh, Kevin Feige feels pretty strongly about their product, so um, either way I, I'm pretty stoked for this film. Uh, I think Ian had asked me uh, oh, my level of excitement, or he was telling me that he wasn't that my co-host Ian uh, on one of the episodes. He was uh, he he was saying he's not that stoked about this film from the trailers and stuff he, that he's seen. But um, I don't know. I think uh, the possibility of a Black Widow movie, of of a great Black Widow movie, is what's got me excited. I, I'm a big uh, espionage kind of um, movie uh, fanatic, so like I'm super excited for the James Bond film coming out later this year. Hopefully, it comes out later this year. Uh, but uh, the idea of a spy movie um, done well and within the MCU is something that I can get behind. And uh, Scarlett Johansson's a great actress. I, I'm intrigued by Frances, I think it's her, Florence Pugh, I think it's her name, the actress playing the other Black Widow. Um, I'd like to see what she's like in this film. Um, some of the other act. oh, uh, Rachel Weisz is in this. Uh, the actor that plays the sheriff in Stranger Things is in this as well. And uh, I've always liked him in that show. But, uh, oh, and um, the stuff from the trailers, like um, Taskmaster, he looks really cool, looks like a really cool villain for this type of movie. 
Um, that's a weird kind of character from the Avengers and the Marvel comics that I remember growing up with. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm raring to get back to the movie theater, you know, uh, but, uh, um, speaking of Black Widow, uh, like I said, I am drawing a, a Black Widow piece right now that I'm, uh, pretty excited about, um, uh, right now the reference photos that I'm using or the, like the reference art that I'm using for this Black Widow piece is, um, uh, the artwork of Chris Somney, a uh, big fan of his. It's a uh, very dynamic, but very straightforward art style. Uh, Chris Somney and Mark Wade. Mark Wade's a, a veteran comic book writer uh, for a lot of the companies, uh, especially the main two. And uh, Mark Wade and Chris Somney did a Black Widow comic back in 2016. And um, I'm using a lot of... Uh, Chris Somney's um, style or his design for this Black Widow piece that I'm working on. And um, uh, just just by that little bit of research, I've become a bigger fan of his artwork. And I am reading the 2016 Black Widow comic that they did, um, which is really good so far. Um, Chris Somney is like, uh, aside from his confident... Uh, drawing style. He's a very gifted storyteller too. Um, not taking anything away from the writer Mark Wade, but um, that's a skill that an artist should have: is the uh, storytelling. That you should be able to tell a story just with the art. Um, w uh, without without the words there, you should still be able to convey what's going on story wise, beat for beat, without. Um, without any dialogue boxes or anything like that. So um, I, I have noticed that Chris Somney's uh, pretty uh, impressive in that respect. And, um, you know, I just came from, <laughs> I just, right before I started recording, I rushed over to um, the uh, comic book shop and I rushed over to Barnes and Noble before they shut down, before they closed. Um, there's the uh, Justice League, uh, what is it? The uh, Justice League, uh, the Zack Snyder cuts about to be released next week. Uh, actually, in a couple days, and I'm not very excited about that. Uh, but I am a big Justice League fan. I was really into the Justice League Unlimited cartoon. Well, and then just growing up, just being you know uh, when I was a kid, Super Friends and all that stuff, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, all just you, you grew up with that just being everywhere. Uh, but um, around 2004, 2006, there was Justice League Unlimited, which is a cartoon kind of that spawned from the Batman animated series and the Superman animated series and that stuff. Eventually, they ended up making Justice League Unlimited, which kind of opened up the DCU. And um, I do remember they had like uh, stories based on like Alan Moore stories, like DC stories. They had like Warren Ellis wrote a couple episodes. Um, so they had legit comic book writers involved here and there. But, um, yeah, they, they had they had a better approach, better take on the DC Universe, I thought. Uh, um, and, um, you know, and I contrast that with, like, the 
DCEU, I guess, the DC Extended, or no, not the DCEU, the, whatever they're calling the the DC Cinematic Universe or whatever it is, uh, the, the Zack Snyder stuff. Um, the stuff that DC's been doing movie-wise, it... it it just doesn't seem it's it's kind of like a different take on the DC universe. It's like a <laughs> it's to me it's it's like a hot topic take take on the DC stuff like a more edgier kind of I don't know. It's it's kind of all over the place. They're trying to they tried to make Batman dark. Well, you know, Batman's fine to be a dark character, but not every character needs to have the Batman kind of film noir kind of take to it so uh yeah just the dc movies uh have been kind of um um uh, tonally just not where they should be or at least from in my opinion and uh the justice league unlimited stuff they got what they were like they it was a more um it was a it was a more um straightforward approach to the DCU and uh, it was bright and and fun and adventurous and uh, when they needed something more um, grounded and dark they you know that's where where Batman would come in or Green Arrow but then when they needed you know uh, sci-fi kind of bombastic stuff they'd bring in Green Lantern John Stewart Green Lantern and, and Hawk Girl and and uh, Superman and stuff like that. Um, the, yeah, so um, the reason I brought up uh, my trip to the comic book shop, um, it, 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 it was related to Justice League. <laughs> so um, I um, was looking for, um, I, I've kind of gotten into this new artist, Daniel Warren Johnson, and um, the guy's got a really bombastic art style, and uh, he's become kind of a one of the, like the rising stars lately in the last ten years or so. And he did a book recently called Wonder Woman: Dead Earth, and uh, I've only just been hearing people rave about it. And um, I was at the comic book shop, thinking it was just like a like a graphic novel, like just a full like a a the thick book instead of just like single issue comics and uh when i went to the store there they the guy was like oh yeah i've got issue four and i was like oh i didn't realize it was um split up that way originally and then you know collected later uh he he the guy there told me that they had sold out of the uh the collection and uh and and it might be scarce online so uh, i'm going to look that up but uh yeah so i i'm um trying to counter <laughs> Because <laughs> you know, the just the the Zack Snyder Justice League stuff that's coming gonna be, you know, taken over the next oh, couple weeks with the release of the Zack Snyder cut. Um, I'm sure on the next episode of the podcast, the next couple episodes of, of Mind Grenades, the guys will be uh, filling me in on their thoughts on on uh, the Zack Snyder cut. Um, I'm probably not going to watch. I don't see myself watching it anytime soon, if at all. Um, so it'll be interesting to hear there what Jason and Matt and Ian, if they watch it. I'm pretty sure at least one or two of them will watch it, if not all three. So um, I'll be interested to hear their their take on it. But I, I, I wanted to have my 
uh, I'm going to have stuff to talk about Justice League um, related with the guys. So I, I um, um, was thinking about Justice League Unlimited, and I was thinking about this Wonder Woman Dead Earth. I was hoping to um, get a copy of that and start reading it, um, kind of leading up to all the uh, Zack Snyder talk coming up. So, um, yeah, uh, so I'm going to have to go looking online. Hopefully I can find a copy of uh, Wonder Woman Dead, er Dead Earth. Um, the, 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 the guy at the comic book shop did say they were kind of scarce online, but uh, I was going to give it a shot anyway. And then um, speaking of movies, let's get back to movie talk. Uh, that's what this episode's all about. Um, I did say a moment ago that I can't wait to get back to the movie theater. Um, I did go watch Tenet back in July when it was released. Did an episode on that. Um, right now, I, I just bought tickets. Uh, I was hoping, I kept my fingers crossed. Uh, you know, um, I would have watched it anyway. I would have bought um, a uh, subscription to HBO Max for this, but uh, luckily I didn't have to. Uh, I bought tickets to Godzilla vs. Kong. Uh, the IMAX screening, there's an IMAX screening on April 4th, no, April 3rd, April 3rd, um, I think it's a Saturday, uh, I bought IMAX tickets, um, you know, there's a social distancing and the, and the face, face mask, uh, stuff going on, so that, that's fine, uh, when I went to watch Tenet, it was the same situation, and I enjoyed that experience, uh, enough, you know, uh, it was a little uncomfortable at first with the face mask, but then that kind of went away about five minutes in. Uh, I didn't, after a couple of minutes, I didn't realize I had the mask on and I enjoyed the film. So I'm hoping, hoping for the same for Godzilla vs. Kong. Uh, really excited for this film. I, uh, I didn't think anything would top the uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters, but th this is looking to kind of be a um, kind of... Um, it, it, you know, this is a sequel, so it should be better, but that isn't always the case. But I, I got a sneaking suspicion that this one's going to be a kind of a, a surprise, um, not a surprise hit, but um, a, a surprise crowd pleaser. Kind of in the same vein that uh, Skull Island was, you know, a lot, not a lot of people talk about that film, but when people, people who do talk about it, who have seen it, uh, always kind of... Uh, give it uh give it high praise that um, they were surprised by how good it was you know i mean it's an old character whenever they bring these old characters back tarzan or zorro or any of this stuff like we're or the invisible man we're like uh but you know like with the invisible man if you can have a good take on it then um you can have a a compelling film compelling movie so that's what i'm hoping with um with this Godzilla versus Kong, and these MonsterVerse movies have been working for me. <laughs> I've been enjoying the shit out of them. Even the 2014 Godzilla, um, King of the Monsters, was pretty amazing. Uh, I did give that movie like a C, C plus, but to me that's really good for a Godzilla movie. So, <laughs> um, hoping um, that this one, uh, yeah, this one will uh, be even better than King of the Monsters. Um, Millie Bobby Brown's coming back for this one. I like that they're keeping some of the same actors from the previous movies. They're 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 keeping it loose enough, but um, a confident 
enough kind of uh, shared universe. Like they are continually adding more characters, but they're keeping some. I think they've done that ever since. Yeah, they've done that ever since the first one. So it goes Godzilla, let's see, 2014, the, um, the one with Brian Cranston, then Skull Island. And then when they came around to King of the Monsters, they had kind of older versions of the characters from Skull Island because Skull Island took place in the 70s, I think. So by the time King of the Monsters came out, those characters were older, but they did show up in King of the Monsters. So the continuity, they're keeping continuity there. Um, Kurosawa, I think the character's name was from... 2014 Godzilla monster uh, Godzilla movie um, Brian Cranston what was that character Ken Watanabe yeah he was in the 2014 Godzilla and he also showed up in King of the Monsters and Sally Hawkins I think too yeah so they are keeping some of the uh, characters um, kind of floating in and out of these movies so but it isn't like there's one main character so um, I guess the monsters are the main characters. So, uh, and, and speaking of which, it's always been a problem with these uh, American um, Godzilla movies, the American versions. Um, and probably so with the Toho uh, Japanese versions there, uh, the, the later eras of Godzilla, like the, uh, the 60s, 70s eras, 80s of Godzilla, is where the, uh, the human element of the story is very weak, and then, then you're just there for the fanfare of the monster fights, like the um, the uh, WWE wrestling kind of um, um, aspect of the monster fights. Like that is the uh, the reason you go to watch these movies. But I do like the idea of both of the um, monster fights being like the main event, but also having a strong kind of uh, uh, narrative with the um, the human element of the story. And um, the reason I bring this up is because I've been watching, uh, I, I'm, I'm learning Japanese at the moment and um, teaching myself Japanese. And one of the things, one of the approaches I'm taking is I'm watching or listening to Japanese movies without the subtitles and just immersing myself with people speaking Japanese. And um, Shin Godzilla, it's a 2016 film that came out. It's a Japanese-produced uh, Godzilla movie that came out uh, a handful of years ago, like not too long ago. And um, um, that film, that's, to me, it's pretty underrated here in the States. Uh, people know about it. Godzilla fans know about it, but like more people, I think it should be more mainstream. It's it's such a such an interesting movie, um, Shin Godzilla. It um, it really the strength of this film is the actual the human element. Just uh, Japan and Tokyo, just like the the movie just approaches their response, the government's response, and the uh, the. the uh, the population's response to just a giant creature showing up and destroying and, and bringing havoc to, uh, to their city and to their country. And, uh, 
yeah, the uh, the 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 um, the human element of that story is very compelling and very like relatable, uh, and uh, and then the monster stuff is pretty terrifying. You only get the one monster in, in Shin Godzilla, but uh, it's it's pretty. They they make Godzilla more more monstrous, like just ugly and 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 and, and scary, more so than the Godzilla. Um, in the uh, more current legendary American um, films, uh, which I'm a fan of both, really. I, I love the the current Godzilla, the American version, but th this this film, Shin Godzilla, really has that has a nice balance and of, of the human element along with the uh, spectacle of the monster stuff. And uh, yeah, man, hopefully the uh, Godzilla versus Kong kind of kind of goes in that direction. Um, that was kind of my, that, that's what kind of held back Godzilla King of the Monsters for me was that the monster stuff was uh, was amazing. <laughs> but the uh, human element stuff was kind of flimsy. So I, I can't, you know, if, I, if, if I'm going to give a, um, an objective review of a movie, I, I have to, um, you know, praise the, the stuff that should be praised and, and then just, you know, hold the uh, filmmakers accountable to, to the stuff that didn't work. So, um, but regardless, yes, I'm super excited. To, uh, <laughs> I went on Fandango and bought tickets to uh, Godzilla vs. Kong IMAX, man. Like, I would have been, you know, I was, because uh, Dune is really the big movie this year that I have to watch in IMAX. And I was kind of making concessions with Godzilla vs. Kong. I was like, well, if because it's legendary, it's the same people putting out both movies, Dune and Godzilla vs. Kong. So I was like, as long as they release Dune in IMAX, then I won't be that upset about Godzilla vs. Kong. But now, now the closer I get to it, now that I have tickets to IMAX, um, I, I think, yeah, I think I would have been disappointed to miss this on an IMAX screen. Um, so, yeah, uh, and, and uh, I'll keep you guys... I'll keep everyone updated on all this stuff. That I'm sure I'll do a Godzilla vs. Kong review. Um, definitely be talking more Justice League coming up in the next couple weeks, I'm sure. And um, and then I'll uh, keep you guys updated on more comic book talk. Uh, I, I've been trying to do more of that and uh, get into it. It's just, you know, um, it, it, you kind of get pulled in so many directions with stuff, especially... With entertainment, it's just crazy, first world problem. But um, I, I've been wanting to get a little bit more focused with with uh, with some stuff, uh, comic book reviews, or even um, not entertainment, just like with the podcast. I've been wanting to uh, finally get in there and start blogging. So now that I got the website set up the way I want it for for blogging, so um, yeah. Uh, all right, so we'll move on to the. Uh, well, while we're what we're all here for for the uh, movie review, I'm doing um, "Hunt for the Wilder People," which is a 2016 film by Taika Waititi, and uh, it stars Julian Dennison. You might know him from uh, Deadpool 2, the young man that's uh, Fire Fist, I think is his name, um, New Zealand actor, and uh, Sam Neill, which is a British actor, but I think he played the accents, man. <laughs> So New Zealand accent isn't quite an Australian accent, 
and then you throw a British guy in here. I can't tell if he's trying to put on a New Zealand accent or not, because then British accents, all you know, there's um, uh, different dialects even within Britain or Great Britain or whatever. So it's a little tough for me. <laughs> I was. Uh, Sam Neill's accent, but I, I think I think he's putting on a New Zealand accent for for this uh, for this role. And uh, Hunt for the Wilder People, it's uh, yeah, like I said, 2016 film Taika Waititi. This is this came out after what we do in the shadows, but before Thor Ragnarok. I think this is what got him Thor Ragnarok at the uh, at Marvel, um, and, and I'm sure his uh the previous movies helped out too but this film uh seemed like it broke through where his other films didn't i didn't i was talking to jason uh my co-host the other night and we were talking about um taika watiti and talking about this film and uh i was confidently <laughs> talking like i pretty much after watching this film that I'm caught up completely on Taika Waititi films and the TV show, What We Do in the Shadows. But apparently not. He, uh, he released with uh, Jermaine, Clement, Jermaine Clement of Flight of the Concords and of What We Do in the Shadows, the movie uh, Jermaine Clement. He, they did a movie called uh, Shark vs. Eagle or Eagle vs. Shark. Let me look that up real quick. And uh, that was Taika Waititi's first film. And let's see here, Jermaine Clement. Let's see here. Um, yeah, he's actually done more than I thought he had done. So um, I got to get caught up. So, yeah, Eagle vs. Shark was his first film. Then he did a movie in 2010 called Boy. And then What We Do in the Shadows, which is the first. Um, Movie of his that I kind of uh, well, I reviewed it. I reviewed it for this for for two thousand movies for the podcast. Um, this this will be like the fourth film that I've reviewed. Taika TD's films that I've reviewed for the podcast. Let's see, I've done what we do in the shadows, doing Hunt for the Wilder People today. We did Thor Ragnarok back when it came out. Jojo Rabbit I did for two thousand movies. Um. Yeah, and he's got a couple more. He's got Thor Love and Thunder coming up in 2022. And then a couple other projects coming up. But, um, yeah, so Jermaine Clement of Flight of the Concords uh, was the star of his first film, Eagle vs. Shark, which looked very kind of quirky, kind of silly. Um, looks very kind of, um, whoa, come like uh, some of these kind of weirder movies like... Um, uh, Napoleon Dynamite type of uh, kind of quirky uh, films, but um, yeah, maybe I'll maybe I'll throw that on the list of, of movies to to review because I I am a fan of Jermaine Clement and of Flight of the Concords. Um, this film Eagles vs Shark came out around that same time that uh, Flight of the Concords was on HBO, and I'm pretty sure Taika Waititi had directed a couple Flight of the Concords. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, we all 
love Taika Waititi. Uh, you know, and speaking of the director, um, and watching this film in particular, I, uh, I, I've been worried for a little while that I'd get kind of tired of Taika Waititi's um, style of, of humor, of sense of humor, and his style, because it's very distinct, and um, I was worried I'd get burnt out on it, but I haven't, and, and watching more of his movies, now I'm starting to see little, um, of, of his, like, um, his traits, his, uh, his, his directorial style, like, things that are repeated from each project, and, uh, yeah, the guy definitely has a style to it, and 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 you know, improv is part of. I can tell that's part of it too, uh, that he brings and encourages improv in his in his projects. Uh, I also can, can get the sense that he th this this particular movie, Hunt for the Willow People, is uh, based on a book, and so was Jojo Rabbit, and um, I'm sure Thor Ragnarok had um, a, a pretty. Uh, fixed script but so uh i can tell he stays true to the source material but also keeps it loose and then it becomes a taika with tt project and uh um so i am the more i'm being immersed with his projects and stuff uh, i am able to tell more uh of where he's coming from style wise and, um, yeah, I still <laughs> nowhere close to being burnt out on Taika Waititi. Uh, you know, and he, he did some of the, he did some great stuff on The Mandalorian, uh, the TV show on Disney+. Plus. And, uh, so, yeah, uh, I'm, uh, all Taika Waititi all day long. So, uh, let's get into this film here. I, um, this, this movie, uh, it's on Netflix, by the way. So you can check it out there. Um. That was one of the reasons I threw it on the list to watch it here. And um, it has to do with a kid that's like going from, uh, he's a juvenile delinquent um, uh, orphan, I guess. And he's just being moved around from family to family, uh, um, foster home to foster home. And he finally ends up uh, on this farm with this um man and woman i guess they're a couple and it's out near the bush out in new zealand um uh, and uh the woman's really trying to make this work and julian dennison who plays the kid uh what is the kid's name um he he's just a trouble kid he's just he, he immediately tries to uh, run away and um, uh, uh, Sam Neill plays the uh, husband or the partner. He um, he's very just gruff and and quiet and stoic, and um, doesn't want to have anything to do with the kid. And a uh, uh, couple things happen at the beginning of the movie that uh, kind of sets things in motion and. Um, it, the uh, the relationship between the kid and the gruff old man kind of starts there, and that's pretty much what the movie's about. It's uh, the relationship of these two characters, and um, and the, the title of the 
the title of the movie is like um, uh, makes sense. It's it's they they go they're on the hunt. Not not that they're hunting. They do do a lot of hunting. Julian Dennison's character, Sam Neill's, but they're also on the hunt. They're being hunted, and um, it's uh, and and this is a comedy too. Like this is like uh, is jokes all the way through, nonstop. I mean, Taika Waititi. I wonder. I wonder if Taika Waititi has any films that aren't a comedy. Because even Jojo Rabbit, which was uh, about Nazi Germany. Uh, about a kid growing up in Nazi Germany that had jokes all the way through it, even though there's some grim stuff in there. Um, but uh, this film has kind of um, somber, quiet moments. Not very many, but um, it's uh, it's. I, I bet. Let me look it up now because I bet it's just considered straight up a comedy. Uh, let's see here. Oh, sweet, sweet Wikipedia. Um, let's see here. A New Zealand adventure comedy drama film. Yeah, that's what I would describe it. And uh, it's uh, based on a book by, let's see, by Barry Crump. Never heard of Barry Crump. A book called Wild Pork and Watercress. Huh. I like Hunt for the Wilder People as a title a lot more. Um, let's see. Um Yes, Ricky Baker is the name of the kid, uh, Julian Dennison, and he's really the star of this movie. Um, it's it's no wonder that Julian Dennison, and and you know, I was speaking about uh, Godzilla versus Kong earlier. Julian Dennison is like uh, one of the characters in the Godzilla versus Kong film. He's like a buddy of Millie Bobby Brown's character in the in that film. Okay, so uh, Sam Neill and Julian Dennison play Uncle Hector. Hey. And Ricky Baker, that was a little bit of a trip watching a movie with somebody uh, with the same name as, as, as me. But uh, let's see, Uncle Hector and Ricky Baker, a father figure and foster son who become the targets of a manhunt after fleeing into the New Zealand bush. So yeah, that pretty much wraps it up. Um, probably won't do too much of a <laughs> deep dive on this film because um, it was exactly what I wanted it to be. And... Um, the two main characters have great chemistry. I wasn't sure how that was going to work out. Uh, I do like Sam Neill and I do like Julian Dennison, but Julian Dennison being like a pretty fresh new actor and Sam Neill being, fuck, Sam Neill was in Jurassic Park. <laughs> like Sam Neill's been in a bunch of shit and he's such a great actor. You know, um, that reminds me, Sam Neill, I remember back when I was collecting comics back in the mid-90s, uh, the the Wizard magazine, the comic books, comic magazine, comic book magazine, Wizard would have these like uh, casting calls, like these dream casting calls. Like, oh, if they made an X Men movie, you know who'd be great for this role and that role. They did one for they did one for the X Men, and it was uh, one of the ones they had. Like, and and you know it was weird too that they had like predicted Patrick Stewart to be. Professor Xavier and this casting casting call, you know, five six years prior to him being cast in the actual X Men movie in two thousand, but um, one of the dream 
uh, castings was uh, Sam Neill as Beast, as uh, Hank McCoy. And I was like, oh, man, that would be so great. And uh, they'd have a picture of, you know, of a blue furry beast right next to a picture of Sam Neill. And uh, I always thought that would have been um, a great uh, um, casting for that character. Uh, but um, where was I going? I got kind of a little lost there. Um, Sam Neill, yeah. Um, let me see. Does he play? Yeah. Um, he, uh, I, I'm just gonna go ahead and say he, he puts on a New Zealand accent. I could be completely wrong. Or how about I'll, I'll, I'll go this far, or I'll, I'll say this. Uh, it's probably not a good New Zealand accent, but I'm pretty sure he's using a New Zealand accent, even though he is from. Oh my God, he's uh, Irish. No, he is from New Zealand. Oh my God, <laughs> I feel so foolish. Wow, Sam Neill is through and through a New Zealand actor. Oh man, I feel so, <laughs> I'm keeping all this in, man. Wow, oh, he's 73, uh, he's uh, 73 years old. Wow, Sam Neill uh, of Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park 3, Hunt for the Red October, Hunt for Red October, um, what else was he in? He was in, um, he was in, um, Event Horizon, uh, yeah, man, this guy's been around for quite a while, uh, but he would see, see, that's what fucks me up is, oh, wait, he was born in Ireland, but then grew up in New Zealand, so his family moved uh, to New Zealand um, in 1954. He was born in 47, so first took to calling himself Sam at school because there were several other students named Nigel and because he felt his name Nigel was a little effect for uh, New Zealand uh, playground, huh? Crazy. So, <laughs> you guys just heard me um, learn about uh, an actor I've respected for quite a while. Learn about his background in, in real time here. So, um, and definitely watch this film. Watch uh, Hunt for the Willow People. Not just on, not just because it's Taika Waititi, but because of Sam Neill. Sam Neill's a fucking a treasure, man. Um, he's one of the best parts of those Jurassic Park movies. And um, what was he in? He was in, yeah, he, he was in Thor Ragnarok. He he played um, in that little um, theater scene at the beginning of Thor Ragnarok where uh, Thor shows up and Loki's uh, masquerading as Odin. Um, there's a little uh, theater play going on where Sam Neill plays the make-believe Odin right there. Uh, who else is in, in that little scene there? I think... Um, um, uh, let's see, uh, it's, it's got some other actors doing little cameo roles in there, but yeah, Sam Neill's in there and that's, uh, yet another Taika with TT movie. So the little connection there. So, um, Hunt for the Will of People, let me see, I, I'll wrap this up quick. Cause, um, this was one of those films that just, 
I had a feeling I would like and I did like. It um, it reminds me of a film that I would have watched when I was like 14 or 15 at home on a Saturday morning and would have fond memories of it, you know, later throughout life. And uh, it's just a fun, well, it's just, you know, there's there's scenes of nature and stuff like that. But then, you know, what's weird too is because it's, it starts out kind of like, like I said, in the bush, just on a, on a farm. And then um, Julian Dennison is kind of like a city boy, like he names his, 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 his pet dog Tupac. And he's got all this like slang, uh, modern slang. And um, you juxtapose that with uh, Sam Neill's character, who is just some kind of wild man kind of out in the bush type of character. So that's a fun aspect of the film too. Um, but I think, you know, uh, I'm going to give this film uh, a B, a solid B, straight down the middle. Um, still haven't watched a Taika Waititi movie I, don't, I, I, I haven't liked. Uh, I would recommend this. I would recommend this to all three of my co-hosts. I think Jason's already watched it. Ian was planning on watching it because he's a Taiko Waititi fan, and and I'm pretty sure uh, um, Matt would enjoy this film too. So uh, yeah, there's my review for uh, Hunt for the Wilder People. I mean, it's sitting right there on Netflix. I'm sure most people listening to this have Netflix, so uh, do yourself a favor, check that movie out. And um, I think that's it for my Hunt for the Wilder People review. Um, uh, I'll start wrapping it up here. I um, wanted to, uh, let's see, yeah, just uh, give you guys a heads up. Next episode is episode 250 of the Migrating Podcast, so a little bit of a milestone episode coming up. Something to look forward to. I'm sure we'll talk WandaVision. That show just finished up, and uh, I'd like to hear my co-host's thoughts on that finale and uh and then thoughts on falcon and the winter soldier is um uh will be discussed as well um i don't think i think i think we'll end up recording the the night before or the day before the first episode of falcon and the winter soldier so we'll probably just have kind of our our thoughts prior to that but um but uh, we'll definitely get into the WandaVision talk and just MCU and uh, in general, I'm sure. And then uh, let's see what else we li- got lined up for that episode, episode 250. Our Rotten on the Vine segment, which is uh, where we, that's where we um, predict Rotten Tomato scores for films. Uh, where uh, the three films we have lined up are Godzilla vs. Kong that I've been talking about um, We've got um, the Zack Snyder Justice League uh, film that's going to be released next week. Uh, we're going to have our predictions for the Rotten Tomatoes for that one. And um, a Bob Odenkirk film that's called Nobody that looks very interesting. If you don't know anything about it, please uh, check out the trailer. It looks very, very interesting. Uh, he's one of my favorite comedians and a uh, pretty fantastic actor in his own right. And... Uh, I, I actually don't want to say anything about this movie, Nobody. Just check out the trailer. So those are the three films we're going to be doing predictions on, Rotten Tomatoes predictions on. 
for our Rotten on the Vine segment on the next episode of Mind Grenade. And uh, before I go, I also wanted to um, give a shout-out to Jenny Zell. She's the host of Mouthy Broadcast Podcast. She's the co-host of one of my favorite podcasts of all time, Dork Trek. It's a Star Trek podcast she does with Dennis, Ben, and Bob. And uh, Jenny Zell has a website called zellsbells.com. And it's a graphic design website. She does all kinds of graphic design stuff. And um, she just finished our, well, she finished uh, some flyers for us um, just recently, uh, a couple weeks ago. And I just had them printed. I got one right in front of me. And I'm super, super stoked about it. Can't, I cannot wait to show people these um, these flyers, put them up around town. Um, they have a really um, kind of of uh, like a band poster, promo poster kind of vibe to them. Uh, a bit kind of punk rock um, kind of aesthetic to it. And uh, a very, very slick design to it. And I'm very happy with it. And uh, Jenny Zell has been um, so supportive of this podcast and of supportive of me. And, uh, and um, I, I look forward to doing more work with her, um, commissioning her for more work graphic design-wise. So, and maybe have her back on the podcast. She's such a great guest. She's a great host, great guest, great graphic design person, illustrator. Um, just all around fantastic. So... Um, if you're looking for anything like shirt designs, um, she did, I mean, just anything design-wise. Um, she's done stuff on, like, menus for restaurants. I mean, just across the board. And she's such a great person. Uh, Zellsbells.com is uh, where you can find uh, Jenny Zell. And, um, and her podcast, listen to... I mean, she's so funny. Uh, mouthy broadcast. Just find that anywhere you find um, podcasts. All right, so, and then you can find this podcast. You can find this podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on MindGrenadeStudios.com. You can follow the show at MindGrenade1 on Twitter. And I think that's, I think that's it. I think I covered it all. Man, talk full of content on this episode. Talked comics, talked movies, streaming, theater, Netflix, Talked uh, podcasting, talked ev- just boy, <laughs> I did it. So um, yeah, um, look forward to the next episode, episode two fifty with the guys. And um, I think for the next two thousand movies edition of the podcast, um, I think I'm gonna keep it light. I think I'm finally gonna break down and watch one of these Paddington movies that I've <laughs> keep hearing about uh, throughout the years. Um, a British movie, so it's uh, um, hook, line, and sinker for that. And um, I do, I did grow up with the character, so um, yeah. Now I just gotta go looking for it now, see which streaming service, <laughs> or probably just have to break down and buy the film. But um, yeah, so that's uh, that's lined up for that's that's probably what's gonna be uh, on the next two thousand movies version of the podcast but uh till then um you have the migraine 250 to look forward to with uh jason matt nian and myself 
And uh, all right, so that's been episode 249 of the Mind Grenade Podcast. I've been your host, Hector. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. And we'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.